Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Music and Therapy Podcast with relationship host Kiana W. Mitchell. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Well, I hope everyone had an amazing day and that you enjoyed your Labor Day for those of you listening here in the United States. And I hope that even if you didn't have the Labor Day weekend, that you still took time to recharge this weekend and enjoy quality time with your family and friends. Last week on the podcast, we talked about how incorporating self-care into your marriage can help you to improve your marriage. Now, I believe some of the reasons that people don't incorporate self-care into their marriage or their daily routine is because when you get married, society kind of teaches us that we have to put the needs of our husband or our wife or our kids first, how we have to be financially responsible and put all of these things before our own needs and wants. Now, of course, we do know we need to be responsible go without saying you know but I think that some of the myths that we have heard is that when you get married your wants and needs just stop and that you just put your spouse before yourself and I think that what they mean when people say this is that we are supposed to do things that make our spouse happy but we shouldn't do it at the cost of our own emotional mental or physical health so if you used to have some time that you spent with yourself every single day maybe going to the gym or doing something that you enjoy doing just because you get married doesn't mean that you can no longer do those things so if you had things that you like to do or things that calm you down or things that just make you feel happy just because you get married you shouldn't have to stop doing these things if anything it should enhance your relationship because you continue to do the things you used to do that made you happy and you're happy now when i say this i don't mean things that could be detrimental to the relationship i'm not talking about that i'm talking about if you used to like to read books you should be able to find time to read a book or if you like to go to the gym or swimming or whatever it is these things should go along and enhance your relationship and it shouldn't be like you have to pick one or the other so these are just some myths that people believe and that i personally heard that happens when you get married I also heard the myth that you should only do things that make your spouse happy, which you should do things to make your spouse happy, but then you should also do things that make you happy. It can't just be about them all of the time because if it's about your spouse 24-7, then you are losing yourself and you're not being fulfilled in the relationship. And that's what the relationship is. Both of you should be happy. Both of you should be fulfilled doing things that you like to do together and individually it shouldn't just be all on your spouse and you have no interest in nothing like that another myth that i've heard is that you should help your spouse work on their dreams and goals before working on your own goals and dreams i totally disagree with this i think it should be a partnership i think when it comes to working on your dreams you should be able to work on your dreams your spouse can work on their dreams and both of you can support each other as you do it so sometimes support means that maybe your spouse needs some quiet time to do some schoolwork or to catch up on some work or to work on their career. You give them that, that quiet time. It doesn't mean that you have to stop your dreams and goals to help them and make them achieve theirs. It just means that you support them and you work on helping them achieve their goals and dreams in a supporting role, but not so much as doing everything for them. And then another myth that I heard is that, and this is the last one we're going to talk about, because there's so many myths. I can have my whole podcast talk about myths that I've heard about why you shouldn't have self-care. So here's the final one that I'm going to talk about. Um, I've heard this myth that it's up to you to make your spouse happy. And I disagree with this 100%. We cannot 
make them feel completely happy. Now, we can do things that will make them happy, do things that will make them smile, but it's not our whole life purpose or responsibility to make our spouse feel happy. They have to make they have to be happy with themselves and a lot of times when people are not happy it has nothing to do with what you're doing i have spoken to women who have done everything they could think of and men as well who've done everything they could think of to make their spouse happy but in the end their spouse wasn't happy and their spouse wasn't happy mostly because of the fact that they were dealing with some things and they weren't happy with themselves and that there were some things going on within them that caused them not to be happy. So what I want you to remember is that even though we do things to make our spouse feel safe, wanted, loved, happy, you know, protected, all of these things, it's not our job to make them happy 100% of the time. They have to be happy within themselves. And we can't put the blame on a spouse to make someone happy within themselves. So these are just some of the myths that I have heard of why you should not incorporate self-care into your lifestyle. And let me just tell you that self-care is important for you. You cannot save someone, help someone, be there for someone if you are not emotionally well, healthy and well. So with that being said, there are many reasons why you should incorporate self-care into your relationship. Now, I'm not going to go into all of them because we talked about that last week. But what I do want you to do is to go back click the link in the show notes, and listen to last week's episode of the podcast where I talk about why it is important to make self-care a priority in your marriage, okay? So what I also want to talk to you about is that I have something amazing that's going to be coming up. It's a three-day marriage boot camp, and it's going to take place on September 23rd through September 26th. Okay, what did I say? Okay, you can repeat it to yourself in the car. September 23rd through September 26th. And it's the three-day marriage boot camp. And I'm excited about this because I know a lot of women who have told me how they're struggling in their marriages. And they don't know what to do to fix their marriages. They've tried everything. They've tried love languages. They have tried reading books. They've tried everything they could think of. But they don't know what to do to fix their marriage. So if this sounds like you, then I would like to invite you to join me to my three-day marriage boot camp. And it's going to take place on September 23rd through September 26th. Now this event is going to be amazing. And I say this because in this event, we're going to show you how to begin putting yourself first while at the same time changing the negative dynamics of your marriage. I promise you this weekend is going to be all about you because as I've said before, focusing on the problems in your marriage is not going to make them get better. It's just going to magnify the problems. So at some point you have to take a step back and stop focusing on the issues and start focusing on yourself. This weekend is going to be all about you. So if you need time to think, recharge, and change the course of your marriage, be sure to click the link in the show notes to sign up for this amazing three-day live event. Now, before we get to this week's episode, here is a word from one of our sponsors. What if I could tell you the number one reason you are struggling in your marriage? Hi, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, relationship coach, and podcaster, and I have been where you are in my marriage. I know how frustrating it can be to put in so much effort and not see your marriage get any better. I know what it's like to read relationship books and try all of these different marriage strategies, only to see it not pay off. It wasn't until I discovered that the answers I was looking for was not found in books, but that the solution to my marriage problems was with me the whole time. It finally dawned on me that I needed to work on myself instead of trying to change my husband. Once I began working on myself, I began to understand 
how some of my actions and reactions were contributing to a lot of the chaos in my marriage. Even though I was not the only person responsible for the problems in our marriage, I had to admit that I was a part of the problem. If you would like to begin improving your marriage and working on yourself, then my three-day marriage boot camp is for you. Here is what you can expect to learn during this three-day event. Day one, you will learn how your thoughts have the power to make or break your marriage and what you can do to take control of your thoughts and your actions. Day two, we are going to discuss some of the reasons why you are doing what you're doing in your marriage and why it's not working and what you can do now to immediately change the negative dynamics in your marriage. Day three, on day three, you are finally going to be able to identify your emotional triggers and then together work on ways to deal with these triggers in an emotionally healthy way. Okay, I know all of this sounds like a lot of work, but if you ever want things to change, then you have to put in the work. If you're looking for a quick fix or you're trying to change your husband, then this three-day marriage event is not for you. The three-day marriage boot camp is only for individuals who are willing to invest time, money, and effort to change their marriage. Why should you listen to me? In addition to being a relationship coach, I have a master's degree in counseling psychology and I have a lot of experience working in the mental health field. I also have been on numerous podcasts talking about how it's possible to improve your marriage while working on yourself. The cost of the three-day marriage boot camp is only $27, and I guarantee that what you will learn will help you transform your marriage right now. If you choose to make an investment in your marriage by attending the three-day marriage boot camp, then you will have access to live coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching as needed, daily homework assignments that will help you understand more about yourself and your marriage, and replays of all the coaching sessions for the weekend. Once again, I know all of this sounds like a lot of work. And believe me, it is. But I guarantee you that if you attend the three-day marriage boot camp, you will begin to see positive changes take place in your marriage. I can't wait to meet you, and I am looking forward to having you in the program so that together we can begin working on your marriage. Click the link in the show notes to sign up for the three-day marriage boot camp, which will take place June 10th through the 12th. Hope to see you there. Today on the podcast, I would like to talk about how childhood trauma can affect your relationships. Now, many of us don't realize this, but the things that happened to you in your childhood has a significant effect on your adult relationships. Over the weekend, I had a chance to sit down and actually read a book. Now, I've always loved reading, and most of my childhood was spent reading books about politics, relationships. Now, mystery books, I love mysteries. Encyclopedias, oh, I used to love encyclopedias. And novels. So, I remember spending the majority of my summers just being curled up on the couch in the living room, or just laying in my bed, just reading a book and letting my imagination run wild. Now, there were, those were actually some of the best times of my life and of my childhood. However, now that I'm an adult, I do not often have the time or the luxury to sit down and read a book. So usually what I do is I download books on Audible and then I listen to them on the go, which is helpful, especially when you are cooking or cleaning or riding in a car, you can listen to a book. But something happened last week. So last week, I just suddenly had an urge to read a book. 
I had an urge to hold a book and actually like sit down and read. Went to the local bookstore in my area and I bought some books to read. Now, one of the books that I purchased was a book by one of my favorite artists. And I do have a lot of people I listen to when it comes to music. And so when I say favorite, it's like one of many because there are several people in that favorite category. One of my many favorite artists is a rap artist named Lecrae. And he has a book called Unashamed. Now, I had already listened to his second book called Iron Restored. And that book was on Audible. And I loved it. So naturally, of course, I wanted to hear the first book because when he started the second book, he mentioned something like, you know, after reading my first book, you thought I was okay. I thought you guys thought I was finished with this, that, or the other. So he's like, but... I wasn't. And that's how he started the second book. So, of course, I'm sitting up here like, well, what happened in the first book? Because I haven't read that yet. When I got a chance, I went Friday. I went, got that book. And I spent a good part of my Saturday afternoon reading the first few chapters of the book, Unashamed, which was the first book. And then Iron Resort was the second book. And let me tell you, I was not disappointed. I found the book to be riveting. And if I had not promised my daughters to have a watch the new Godzilla and King Kong movie with them that night, I probably would not have put the book down. Now this has to say something because I absolutely love Godzilla movies and King Kong movies. But if I am willing to like skip watching it for a day or two to finish reading the book, then you know the book has to be good. Because I had promised them that I would watch the movie with them, I did put the book down. But in the book, the Arthur, he talks about how he ex- experienced a lot of childhood trauma and how this has such a huge impact in his life. So as I was reading, I began to think about how things we experience in our childhood, good or bad, have a significant impact on our adult lives and our relationships. As I was reading the book, it made me think about how things we experience in our childhood, good or bad, can have a significant impact in our adult lives and in our relationship. I asked myself, what is childhood trauma? Now, I know what childhood trauma is, but I wanted to get a more in-depth idea of what childhood trauma was and how it can affect your relationships. So I went and I looked it up, and according to the National Institute of Mental Health, childhood trauma is the experience of an event by a child that is emotionally painful or distressful which often results in lasting mental and physical effects. Childhood trauma happens when a child experiences or observes a negative event during childhood, and due to the shock of the event, the child develops psychological trauma. It's possible for children to experience interpersonal trauma, which affects their relationships, and they can also be affected by trauma that happens to them because of parental decisions. An example of interpersonal trauma includes emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, experiencing or witnessing violence within the family or at home, experiencing or witnessing violence in the community. Um, An example would be a civil disturbance, armed conflict, asylum, seeking trauma, etc. A child who is emotionally or physically neglected may develop trauma. Now, trauma could also stem from a caregiver or parental trauma. An example of those would include a parent who is incarcerated, a parent who abuses drugs or alcohol, parental ill health, parental separation, or a divorce. Trauma may also be caused by national or natural disasters, such as earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, and acts of violence. 
Um, an example would be mass shootings, terrorist attacks. And another example I would like to just throw out there could be a whole bunch of civil unrest could also be something that can cause trauma, not just in children, but in adults as well. And in other life-threatening situations, they can experience trauma as a result of a motor vehicle accident, etc. All of these things can, and they do have a lasting impact on children. And without counseling, all of these things have the potential to affect the child as they go into adulthood. Now, according to the ACE study, there are 10 different types of childhood trauma across two categories. There are personal categories and environmental. Traumas of personal of the personal type include emotional neglect, physical abuse, physical neglect, sexual abuse, verbal abuse. Emotional trauma relates to the family members, and that includes having an alcoholic parent, living with a mentally ill family member, having a mother that's in a victim of domestic violence, or the absence of a parent following abandonment, death, or divorce. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, finds that children who experience adverse child experience, or ACE, are more likely to become future victims or perpetrators of violence. Researchers have also found a strong correlation between ACE and disruptive neural development, social, emotional, and cognitive impairments, adaption of health risk behaviors, disease, disability, social problems, and early death. Now, some of the effects of childhood trauma in adults can be anxiety, depression, substance abuse, social difficulties, health problems, lost opportunities, low self-esteem, lack of direction. All of these things can be a result of childhood trauma. And it just shows that when the child experienced this trauma, it was not dealt with. They didn't get the counseling. And so as they got into the adult stage, it progressed. And this is what has happened. Now, here's the thing. Think about it. Anxiety and depression, that can cause problems in a relationship. Substance abuse, it can cause problems in a relationship. Having social difficulties or problems like with um, socializing and interacting with other people can cause issues in a relationship. And I'm even going to go as far as to say when it comes to social difficulties, not being able to express yourself can also cause problems in a relationship. Health problems are caused. Lost opportunities, because if you don't know how to socialize and you've had a lot of trauma, maybe you don't have a high self-esteem, but you have a low self-esteem. And so low self-esteem can lead to lost opportunities because you're not going to trust people enough to put yourself out there to try to get opportunities that you see because your self-esteem is low or you may have problems interacting with people. Lack of direction is another thing because if you've experienced trauma, let's say abandonment, you're probably thinking, well, you know, my parents didn't want me, so they didn't want me, then no one's going to listen to me, no one's going to take me seriously. There are a lot of things that can go along with childhood trauma. And the thing about childhood trauma is all of these things don't just affect the person who has had the childhood trauma, it affects people around them. So if you are married to someone or dating someone, or if you are someone who has experienced trauma as a child, then some of the symptoms and some of these things that have happened to you as a child is also can be affecting you as an adult. Now, all of these things can cause major issues in your marriage and in your relationship. So it doesn't matter if you are the one dealing with the childhood trauma or if your spouse is the one dealing with the childhood trauma. What affects them affects you. And what affects you affects them. Some people don't even realize 
how some of our childhood experiences are affecting our relationships because we don't even recognize that some of the things that happened to us in our childhood was traumatic because it was normalized either in our homes or in society. For example, getting spanked. Now, I've heard many arguments on both sides and some people see getting spanked as a form of child abuse. But then other people say it can be seen as punishment. It just depends on how your family or the people in your environment viewed it. However, there have been cases where people who got spanked, it had a significant effect on them. And that for them was a form of childhood trauma, which as we know now, that spanking your children really doesn't work. And all it does is show them a pattern of violence. So it can be seen as a form of child abuse and less as a form of punishment. But we're just seeing that now. And back in the day, many people did not see this. And a lot of kids got spanked. Now, in some homes, verbal abuse was the norm. But it was viewed as I'm toughening him or her up. I'm just letting them know what the real world is like. And I'm helping them not to be a punk. I'm helping them not to be a sissy. It was accepted. However, we all know that verbal abuse is traumatic for a child. And it's abuse. And it should not be used in any way, shape, or form. Verbal abuse does not toughen people up. Instead, it tears them down. But it depends on the way your extended and your nuclear family view trauma and discipline. That will determine whether your childhood trauma was normalized in your home or not. When something is normalized and everyone's doing it, you may find yourself doing the same thing. But you don't even know that what you're doing is abusive or traumatic because it was something that was the norm in your house. This is how it can go on for generations because one generation had verbal abuse or physical abuse and to them it was something that was normalized in their home as a form of punishment, as a form of toughening people up. So they in turn take what they've learned and pass it on to their kids and they do the same pattern of abuse and give their children the same trauma that they had as a kid because this was normal. This is what they do in their family. And then you know how it goes on. Their kid takes that same thing and they keep going on and on. Now here's another thing that you may not think was a form of childhood trauma. Having your feelings minimized as a child or being told not to cry can also be seen as a form of childhood, childhood trauma. Why? Because you're teaching that child to hide their emotions. You're teaching that kid not to be honest about their feelings and you're teaching them not to feel these feelings. You're making them feel like being a baby, this is not important, you shouldn't be crying, which is a form of trauma because you are making this child feel like it's not okay for them to cry. They can't be who they are. They can't even express their feelings of crying. So that could take away their feeling of control, which as they get older can lead to them maybe acting out or maybe not being able to show their true feelings or not being able to feel like they are in control. And so in order to gain control, they may do other types of behaviors and start acting out so they can have a sense of control. All of these things can create trauma and traumatic experiences in kids. And if you have experienced any of these things, and these are just some things, I mean, the list can go on and on about things that could have happened to you in your childhood. For example, I know when my kids were younger, we were living in Alabama. And in 2011, we had a tornado. It was really bad. It wasn't as bad as the, well, it was bad. It was like a whole system of tornadoes that hit from like, Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, all the way down to my area, and it was really bad. We didn't have um, electricity for a week. 
homes were destroyed, people died. It was terrible. Moving forward, like, it happened in 2011. Later on in 2011, I think it was a couple months later, we had the threat of another storm coming through, but it wasn't a severe storm. It was just like thunder, lightning. But my kids freaked out. They went, they sat in a tub, they got all their blankets. They were traumatized by the experience that they had in 2011 with the natural disaster of the tornadoes that came through. And even now, my kids, when they hear storms, they freak out. They like panic. They get so scared and they start packing up all their stuff, sitting in a tub. They're nervous. They're afraid. They have anxiety. And why? Because... The storms in 2011, even though they were very young, I think my youngest was two, as a two-year-old, I think I had a, a two, four, and five-year-old, but it was traumatic for them, and so even now, and they are 12, 14, and 15, even now, storms freak them out, storms scare them. You see how things that children experience can be traumatic for them. If you have had a traumatic experience as a kid and maybe just listening to the podcast now you realize that you've had one of these experiences you can see how it has played an effect and how it has had a negative effect on your relationships and on your life what do you do i mean we can't go back in time since it's impossible to do that we cannot go back in time we can't change the things that we've experienced as children partly because it's impossible to go back in time. And another thing is a lot of things that we experience as kids happen because other people did them to us and not because we did anything to ourselves. Even if we did go back, we would probably have the same experience because the same people would have raised us, the same people would have been our guardians, things wouldn't have changed on that end. So we would probably experience the same thing over again. Since it would be impossible to change what has happened to you in the past, how do you move forward with the trauma that you've been dealt with, that you had to deal with as a kid? Well, here are some ways to deal with that, okay? One of the many ways, and this is the best way, I think, to start dealing with childhood trauma is to identify what the trauma is. It is so important to identify what has happened to you that caused you trauma in your childhood. By naming the trauma, you are opening yourself up to acknowledge what has happened to you. Acknowledgement is crucial for you to begin the healing process because you cannot heal from what you don't acknowledge. So once you acknowledge what has happened to you, then you can begin the process of healing and moving on from what happened to you as a child. Many victims of childhood trauma often spend years minimizing the event or dismissing it by pretending it didn't happen or like it wasn't a big deal or they succumb to feelings of guilt or self-blame. The only way to begin healing is to acknowledge that a traumatic event did occur and that you were not responsible for it. Next, reclaim control. Feelings of helplessness can carry well over into adult years and it can make you feel like you are a perpetual victim and then you'll start acting like a perpetual victim which causes you to make choices based on your past pain when you're a victim the past is in control of your present but when you have conquered your pain the present is in control so here's an example let's say you were victimized as a child as you get older you take on the personality of a victim. You were victimized as a child, then something else happens to you, and you're like, well, this always happens to me because nothing good really happens to me. Something else happens as you get older. Of course, this would happen to me because bad things always happen to me. You see how this thinking can progress. You keep thinking bad things happen to me. So when things do happen that may not be so bad or just life happens, you will perceive it as bad things always happen to me. And what you say and what you believe 
you're setting yourself up for failure because you will perceive events in your life by what you believe. So the victimization could have happened to you as a child, but that does not mean that everything in your life is happening to you because bad things happen. So once you reclaim control and you realize that you are not a victim and that you can control the present. You couldn't control the past. You can't control the past, but you can control the present. This can only happen when you've conquered your pain and let the present be in control. There is always going to be a battle between past and present, but as long as you are willing to let go of the old defenses and crutches you use as a child to navigate your trauma, you will be able to reclaim your life now and heal your pain. Another thing that is important to do is seek support and don't isolate yourself. A natural instinct that many trauma survivors have is to withdraw from others, but this will only make things worse. A big part of healing process is connecting with other people, talking to other people. So make the effort to maintain your relationships and seek support. Talk to a trusted family member, friend, counselor, and consider joining a support group for survivors of traumatic childhoods. Take care of your health. Your ability to cope with stress will increase if you are healthy. Establish a daily routine that allows you to get plenty of rest, eat a well-balanced diet, and exercise regularly. Most importantly, stay away from alcohol and drugs. This might provide temporary relief, but it will inevitably increase your feelings of depression, anxiety, and isolation, and even worse, your trauma symptoms. Another thing you can do is learn the true meaning of acceptance and letting go. Just because you accept something doesn't mean you're embracing your trauma or that you liked it or even agree with it. Acceptance means that you decided that what you're going to do with it is to let it go. You can decide if you're going to let it rule your life or you can decide to let it go. Letting go doesn't mean poof, it's gone and you never have to worry about it again or that you're going to pretend it didn't happen. No. Letting go means you no longer are allowing your bad memories and feelings of a bad childhood to rob you of living a good life now. Something that's very key to do is replace bad habits with good ones. Bad habits can take many forms, like negativity and always mistrusting others, or turning to alcohol or drugs when, feeling, when your feelings become too hard to bear. Bad habits can be hard to break, especially when they're used as crutches to help you avoid reliving the pain and the trauma of your childhood. Now, a support group or a therapist, which I do encourage, please, a therapist can help you, and they can help you learn the tools necessary to break these bad habits and replace them with good habits. Another thing that I want you to do is be kind to yourself. Be patient to yourself. Don't rush yourself. When you have been seriously hurt as a child, you develop out-of-control emotions, helplessness, defense mechanisms, and warped perceptions that are difficult to let go of. So it's going to take you a lot of time and a lot of hard work to let go of these feelings. Don't think that just because you're working on them one day that they should be gone the next. That's not how that works out. You can start working on something, but it could take years. But the point is, each day gets better, each day gets easier, and each day you will begin to experience less symptoms. So be patient with yourself. Honor your progress. Celebrate your steps that when you move forward and when you made progress, no matter how small your steps may seem. It's the little victories in your recovery that will eventually help you win the battle of healing your childhood trauma. And another thing, don't try to do this by yourself. Seek the help of a professional therapist or counselor so they can help you navigate through these feelings. And I say it all the time because 
If you could have fixed this yourself, you would have. But since we're still dealing with this, then you can fix this on your own. And it's important to seek the help of a professional counselor. So go to a counselor, talk to them, and begin to get help so that your healing process can begin. Healing from childhood trauma is never easy. However, it's necessary to do, not only to have a healthy and thriving marriage or relationship, but also to make sure that we learn from the past and that we're not doing the same thing to our children. The last thing you want to do is to pass on the trauma that you experienced as a child to your children. The way to break the cycle is to get help, get counseling, and begin the healing process so you can do things differently with your children. Now, it'll take a lot of time and hard work to let go of all of these feelings, but is something that you can do. Childhood trauma is something you can heal from. You can heal from the childhood trauma that you've experienced. You can get to a good place in both your life and your relationship, and you can eventually move on from the childhood trauma that you've experienced. The song that we're going to listen to today is called Moving On, and it's about a woman who realizes that she's at a point where it's time for her to move on from a painful time in her past. It wasn't supposed to end this way Our love was so strong I thought it would stay But people and things got in the way Now I have no words to say What started out so beautiful Was easily erased You said that we should separate Because you need
before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today. I absolutely love hanging out with you each week, and it's always a pleasure to spend time with you. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you will leave a review for the podcast so you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. Because I am so thankful to you guys, I am going to be giving away a free gift. I understand that being married can be difficult and stressful at times. So if you are looking for a way to stop arguing and resolve issues in your marriage, then click the link below in the show notes to download your free PDF about how to solve problems in your marriage. If you would like to contact me, feel free to contact me on social media by clicking the links in the show notes and I promise you that I will respond to your message. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.